Supply and demand. I mean, whether you like it or not, it is the reality of understanding the world of college athletics and uh, the transfers that have come out from Liberty University's program and gone uh, to some destinations, not yet officially announced, but uh, a lot of key players off the Fiesta Bowl roster have I was going to say, at least you get to root for Preston Hodge because he'll be with your, you know, your, your favorite team. Yes, Trey. Um, yes, the question is... Do you believe in that? Huh? I mean, do I believe? Of course he's there. He's already announced it on social media. We'll have a lot of fun, by the way, with that one, uh, with Coach Prime in Colorado. But it's the reality of the era in which we live. Uh, if anything, I've said this before, admire what the Flames were able to do, which is keeping a lot of those stars playing in the Fiesta Bowl, when in this day and age, we see a lot of players that are transferring out bail on the bowl game entirely and that did not happen at Liberty and that is a testament to yes the players but also to what Liberty still has with Jamie Chadwell which as much money as Liberty would like to spend on players the constant is Chadwell and you bring a guy like that in so that I'm not gonna say you can mask the players you still need the right players to execute but when you have the right system in place you can still attract other players to Liberty to still win at a high rate and be able to perform consistently knowing that there may be a high level of turnover in terms of the players and it's a more modern approach to players but you know if you're liberty and you're trying to figure out where your connection should be greatest it probably is to the coaching staff because they're going to be around for a little bit longer than some of these key players year in and year out doesn't mean you can't get excited but just keep all of that in mind so maybe i'm totally off base by it maybe there's a level of perspective that came from there a perspective that is always fantastic comes from a sea of red.com and is now with us here in the fast lane it is john manson he is joining us once again in the fast lane john a pleasure to speak with you um yes of course the plane lands on tuesday and then the transfer portal starts up were you even able to catch your breath at all from the fun time down in arizona to well the last few days hey, thanks for having me on yeah i mean it was, it was funny uh new year's day after the game i kind of hung out in arizona for a few more hours and, and had a red eye uh 11 p.m uh, mountain time, Arizona time, the plane la- left, and then we landed in uh, Baltimore at 5 a.m. and didn't get back to Lynchburg till you know, late morning. And I uh, was able to get a few hours of sleep and woke up, and, and my phone was blowing up and uh, with, the, with the Cade News and, and some of the others, that, uh, including C.J. Daniels, that have gone into the portal now today. So uh, as we've talked before with you, Ed, it's uh, college football is definitely a year-round business now. I mean, you go – uh, from you know the season to the bowl season to the uh, coaching changes and, and the portal season to spring ball, then you got another portal season. You got uh, high school recruiting. It's just it's it's nonstop and and uh, you know get get the rest while you can because uh, that the news is coming. <laughs> It definitely is, and you know, a total side note, it does create a different level of content that's always there, and, and for us, you know, that that's part of the business to it, but part of it is also, it's a, it's a challenge figuring out who's going to be there, who is not. From, from the Liberty coaching staff angle to this and the players, first and foremost, the Fiesta Bowl itself. If anything, how much should the run, the players that were there, and the fact that they even stuck around in the Fiesta Bowl when they could have easily bailed on that bowl game, it's not you know a college football playoff spot. We knew that's more emphasized in this day and age. How much level of appreciation should Flames fans at least have for the fact that this was a heck of a ride in the first year of the Jamie Chabwell era? 
Oh yeah, you you definitely have to to take you know what's happened the last you know three days or so since kickoff or or really I guess since the end of the first quarter uh, on New Year's Day uh, you know with a with a grain of salt because you know it, it was a great season and it's something that even these past three days or or regardless of what comes next uh, it, it it can't be taken away you know to, to you know go thirteen and zero. Uh, in your first ever uh, season uh, under head coach Jamie Chadwell, as well as in Conference USA, and and uh, to go undefeated in conference play, go undefeated in, in uh, the regular season, uh, to beat New Mexico State a second time in the Conference USA championship game, to win your first ever uh, conference uh, championship at the FBS level, to be ranked in the CFP top 25 for the first time in program history, to uh, be able to sit there and, and watch SNU upset Tulane, in the AAC title game, and then to see your name called uh, on Selection Sunday uh, into the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, those are moments that the Liberty team, program, coaches, uh, the, the fans, they, they, it can never be taken away from them. And and uh, even even that first quarter, I mean, you know, you're sitting there, and, and I was, I'm sure you were too, at, at uh, State Farm Stadium there in Glendale, and and Liberty scores a touchdown their first drive, and then they hold Oregon to a field goal, and then uh, force them to a three and out, and, and you're thinking, well, maybe this team can uh, hang around in this game for a little while, and of course after that everything, you know, flipped the other direction. But but yeah, I mean it, it's a it's a testament to the job, uh, you know, starting with Ian McCall, the athletic director, what he's done these past you know five or six years, and then that trickles on down to. You know the the job of the coaching staff led by uh, Jamie Chadwell, and then obviously the players. And and yeah, credit to them for sticking around. Even some of those that were already in the portal. You think about like a Kendi Charles or or Jalen Jimerson, who uh, is in the portal, and he had committed to Sam Houston even prior to the game, but he still played. And and uh, it's a testament to them. And I think it was kind of looked at as as a celebration of the success. Uh, of their season and regardless of what happened in the game they were going to celebrate that and and I think they did even in spite of uh you know that blowout loss John Manson a sea of red.com he's at JC Manson himself on Twitter and at a sea of red on Twitter uh either ways to keep up with John's great work and of course we're always glad when he is willing and able to join us in the fast lane John um you mentioned the celebration of the season for Liberty uh you know the timeline of the players leaving you know the announcements start coming 24 or so hours after the Fiesta Bowl wraps up of players departing from Liberty and, and we'll get to that part in a moment but just the fans being able to go down and experience the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, I wasn't there as long as you were, but from my perspective, it seemed like about as first class an operation as you could get for a bowl game. And Liberty fans, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but from my perspective, and mine's much more neutral than yours, you're a Liberty alum and you've done great work for a CFRed.com, but even from my perspective, I was very impressed with how Liberty fans showed out and how the bowl game seemed to embrace Liberty as well. Yeah, and, and Ed, you you've probably had a little bit more experience going to bowl games than I have. I've been, you know, this is five straight bowl games I've been able to go to with Liberty, and and two Cure Bowls, a Lending Tree Bowl, and, and then the Boca Bowl last year, and and so I, I'm obviously comparing it to those, which which you know those are not you know household bowl names, obviously, but uh, I mean there's no comparison between the the hospitality shown by the Fiesta Bowl and, and their staff. Uh, as you you know, as I compare it back to those other bowl games I've been to, I mean it was, it was first class in, in every way. Uh, from you know, you know the first time you, you showed up at the uh, media hotel and, and the way they greeted you, and uh, all the way to, to game day. I mean every every step, every turn that they uh, had thought about, and 
and uh, you, you show up there, and, and they've got a you know when you show up at, at State Farm Stadium on uh, game day in that morning, you get off the elevator in the press box. They've got a you know a private uh, you know <clears throat> individual that's able to, to take you around and show you to your seat and, and show you to to where the facilities are and and uh, all that stuff. So I mean, it was just first class all, all the way around, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I was very. Um, uh, impressed, maybe too strong a word, but one thing that I was I was a little bit concerned about for Liberty's fan base going into the game was that they would be, you know, uh, maybe embarrassed by by the turnout from Oregon compared to Liberty. But that certainly wasn't the case, and and I don't think it was a fifty fifty split between you know Oregon and Liberty fans. But Liberty certainly wasn't uh, you know embarrassed by by their showing. I mean, they probably had you know thirty five to forty percent of the fans there, and. In Oregon, the majority of the rest, and and uh, they were certainly loud, especially there in the first quarter when the team was playing well, and and uh, certainly impressive in, in their turnout, especially when you consider you know having to, to travel from you know m- most of the alumni and fans from the you know Virginia or uh, Mid Atlantic region and uh, all the way to Arizona. That that's, that's a long trip and certainly not not cheap, and uh, you know it took a lot of planning and, and everything to get to get out there, but. Uh, that, that's something that that uh, you know Liberty fans can always have, and and it was a great weekend. I'm sure they they could all say the same in spite of that game, and and I know you know my family is able to go, and uh, made a lot of great memories that that we'll always uh, be able to look back on uh, fondly. Dude, it's awesome, man. I mean, my wife went down. She didn't go to the game, but you know we were around for different activities as well, and got to experience Arizona and the resort, which was pretty nice to have that at a much more favorable, <laughs> much more favorable rate than you would normally get for something like that, uh, which which made that very possible but uh, it was a lot of fun to go down and you get the memories that get created from this particular event for liberty and their fans certainly showed out very well and you know, the game itself you mentioned it um the scoreboard didn't lie oregon was clearly the more dominant team they had over 500 yards of offense but it's not like liberty just flat out no showed for this game <coughs> florida state uh they actually did seem to show up and put forth an effort and if anything correct me if i'm wrong that speaks to the caliber of opponent that Liberty was this year where Oregon went into the game knowing they needed to be focused on Liberty. They were tested early by Liberty, and they forced Oregon, Liberty did, to respond the way they did. And Liberty's to be commended for bringing that out of the Ducks team that you know their only losses of the year were to a team that may win the national championship, losing twice by three points each to Washington. Yeah, I mean, you know, we may look back on this uh, college football season here in a few days after uh, the Monday's uh, national championship game, and and perhaps Oregon and Washington were the top two teams in the entire country. I mean, that that wouldn't be far fetched to, to believe, and and we'll see what happens Monday. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Liberty, you know, gave the first punch right there in the first quarter. They gave that first punch, got the lead, you know, uh, won the coin toss, and Coach Chapel elected to to receive something he hadn't done all season, and the team went down and and scored a touchdown, and then. Defense got stops on the next two possessions, and and uh, if a few things would have broken Liberty's way there in the middle part of the first quarter into the early part of the the second quarter, you know, uh, maybe this is a game a little bit longer. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's, it's no question Oregon was the better team, and and if those two teams played, you know, ten times, Oregon certainly winning nine, if not ten, of those games. But uh, I think uh, a couple of those ten, it, it would be a lot. A closer score uh, than, than the forty-eight to six margin that that we saw on New Year's Day in the Fiesta Bowl, but you know you, you think back to, to some of the blunders. I mean, there was there was one that you know Salter threw a pass, Caden Salter threw a pass that that should have been intercepted. It was not a good pass, and 
the Oregon player was unable to make a play on the ball. It kind of you know, went off his hands and almost bounced directly into C.J. Daniels' uh, hands. And if C.J. is able to, cl- you know, clearly grab that ball, he's he's walking into the end zone for a touchdown. That was one, you know, early second quarter that would have put Liberty back ahead. So, you know, a couple of breaks like that is something you need when you're a, a significant underdog like Liberty was going into this game. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, once things kind of started snowballing there, especially in that second quarter, that it, it was hard to – uh, you know, stay energized and stay motivated and stay focused. Not saying that they didn't, but, uh, you know, things are obviously working against you at that point in time, and it's easy for the score to get out of hand. But it seems like they, they continue to fight all the way even to the end, and that's something this team you know, should be commended for and, and uh, something that, that they uh, have kind of prided themselves in throughout the entire season. John, I give a grace period for fans. Uh, you know, 24 hours or fewer after a game, the emotions are high. The pain of losing is always something that's frustrating. And the, the sting of a great season coming to an end only compounds that for Liberty fans. But now that we're beyond that, we're like 73 hours away from the end of the Fiesta Bowl, I feel like I can at least make this proclamation. You can tell me whether this makes sense or not. I understand the fans that say, well, the officiating costs us the game. It wasn't great, but I disagree. It didn't cost the game when it's a 35-point margin. You mentioned the the Salter pass, which wasn't great, and Daniels missing an opportunity to make a play, and they go, well, they were distracted because they were in the portal. I mean, yeah, those are factors in the game that maybe you didn't get the best, but uh, realistically, if you're a Flames fan, can you at least say, as as we mentioned a moment ago, how good Oregon is, that some of this was just, you're playing a really good team like Oregon, that's what they can do to you, and yeah, some small margins can make it more competitive, but it probably wasn't changing the outcome of what we saw on Monday. Oh, no, you're exactly right, Ed. I mean, it's uh, no question that Oregon was the better team. They were the, the faster team. The speed was really something that, uh, you know, not necessarily took me by surprise, but it's just very evident and noticeable. I mean, a couple of those runs that, that uh, Bucky Irving had, for example, I mean, he cut across the field, and I was like, man, nobody's catching that guy. And, and uh, that, that turned out to be the case several times. I mean, Liberty's defense could not stop the Oregon offense. That was something I kind of expected. You know, you were, you were hopeful as a Liberty fan going into that game you could get a couple of, of turnovers or or misfortunes on the Oregon side because you just knew the Liberty defense would not be able to consistently stop them. So then it came down to, you know, the, the Liberty offense had to score to try to keep pace with them. And that's why I was a little uh, surprised by – by Coach Chadwell electing to not go for it on that fourth and two play. And you had asked him in a post-game press conference about it. He said, you know, he thought it was closer to fourth and three than fourth and two. But, I mean, when you're there close to midfield and, uh, you know, the, the game is, is really in the balance. I know it's still a first quarter, but uh, for Liberty, the game was in the balance. I mean, you've got all the momentum. You're, you're playing to win and playing out in, in front of Oregon. You've got to keep going. you got to keep your foot on that gas pedal. And, and of course, you know, I'm not saying that – you know, if, if Liberty went for it there and picked up the first down and went down and scored a touchdown, it would have changed the outcome of the game. It wouldn't have. It would have, you know, ultimately just probably prolonged the inevitable. But that's that's all you can do when, when you're in that in that moment and in that environment it, is try to prolong the inevitable. Try to, you know, just, just hang around one more drive, hang around one more quarter, hang, a dr- hang around one more possession. That's all you can do. And, and yeah, there, there were some, you know, uh, calls that, that went against Liberty that, that I didn't personally agree with. And, uh, that the refs made, and and uh, but again, none of that was the the you know ended up costing uh, Liberty the game, and and none of these you know close misses and uh, some of the plays that I that I mentioned cost Liberty the game. I mean, and you can't look at a forty-eight to six final margin and, and say that, but 
Uh, again, Liberty had to have had to play close to a perfect game. I said that to you uh, prior to the game uh, that Liberty had to play close to a perfect game, and they needed a little bit of luck to go their way. And and neither one of those two things happened, and, and, and thus the uh, the blowout at Oregon. John Manson, a CFRed.com, is with us here in the fast lane. We're talking Liberty Flames and discussing the Fiesta Bowl experience, which was fantastic. The game itself, if you're a Liberty fan, not as much, but ultimately the season that is one for Flames fans to remember. Um, John, then after the game, I thought Liberty acquitted themselves very well. But obviously the the transfer portal shakes things up afterwards. Um, I I don't doubt that a lot of these decisions may have been made or at least been 90% clear well before this particular game and this particular matchup. I know we mentioned before commending the players for even playing in the game, knowing what might end up happening. But curious from your perspective, um, how much do you believe the coaching staff also had these conversations with players, if nothing more than the fact that they want to be able to have their contingency plans in place so they can try to make sure this roster is equipped to contend in the future as Jamie Chabwell was adamant would be the case after the Fiesta Bowl? Sure. I mean, you know, the, the uh, potential of Caden Salter going into the portal is not something that, that came as a complete shock, as a complete surprise uh, to this coaching staff. I mean, it's something that, you know, they had considered and had in the back of their minds for, you know, several weeks, if not if not several months, just from the way he had played over the course of the season. You, you knew that if the opportunity presented itself, he, he would be able to uh, – to uh, potentially transfer to a Power Five school and, and you know, quote unquote, cash in on his strong season, you know, through the use of NIL funds that, that some of these collectors at the P5 level have. But uh, also, you know, if you go back, you know, maybe a month ago, uh, you know, Caden originally transferred from Tennessee uh, to Liberty after a semester there with the Volunteers and. And, um, you know, so, you know, he would have to had, had, had sit out a year at, on his second transfer if he were going to transfer a second time away from Liberty. So, uh, you know, nobody expected him to sit out a year, and that was unless he, he graduated. And, and he is on pace, uh, last I have checked, uh, to graduate, you know, at the end of the spring semester from Liberty, provided he kept the grades and, and everything. And, and uh, so it looked like Liberty would be able to keep him at least through the spring and, and then see what happens at that point in time. But then the NCAA over the past couple of weeks had, you know, that, that uh, you know, two-time transfer rule question in, in courts, and, and they've since, uh, you know, backed off from that. And, and now, you know, two-time transfers are eligible to play immediately. So once that happened, it, it kind of, you know, threw things, <laughs> for you know, threw a wrench in the plans for Liberty's coaching staff, I'm sure, and, and uh, well, I'm not sure if they were necessarily actively recruiting uh, any uh, quarterbacks out of the portal. Um, I'm sure they were at least doing some due diligence, doing some homework to see, you know, if they were in need of, of a quarterback here in, in a few days, you know, as, as they are now, that they at least knew who they could to, could go after and who they could target. And and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I do expect them to, and I'm sure they have in the last day or two, put in a full court press on some of these quarterbacks in the portal and trying to get them to take visits to Liberty here uh, in the next week or two and, and secure some some commitments before the uh, spring semester starts so they can you know have some additional options in addition to what they already have in the quarterback room uh, this spring but um, I, I don't think it necessarily took them by surprise but uh, maybe they didn't expect it you know to happen on January 2nd. 
Yeah, I mean, the timing of it is a little bit unfortunate for Liberty, but if anything, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that you at least get this news in uh, now as opposed to later on and you can have contingency plans in place. You got an article up, by the way, John Manson from aseaofred.com, who's with us in the fast lane. You have an article that you put up today at aseaofred.com detailing the options for Liberty. And you, know, you mentioned the idea of adding a quarterback in the transfer portal. Do they need to go add a bunch of them, or is this room in pretty good shape right now, but obviously you don't turn down a really good player if you have a chance to acquire him yeah i mean i think they, they've obviously got some talent there i mean you look at, at uh you know Jaden bradford one of the highest rated recruits the highest rated quarterback to ever sign with liberty out of, out of uh high school coming in from img academy he'll he's, he's set to enroll for the spring semester and uh obviously you don't you don't want to put all your eggs in, in the basket of, of a true freshman at quarterback uh, especially when you when you're uh hoping to compete for another conference championship and maybe even a chance at the cfp uh, next year this time and and uh but he's obviously very talented you also got a guy like reese mooney who had committed under hugh freeze and, and ended up signing under chadwell after the coaching change last year and, and uh he, he was a highly touted uh quarterback prospect out of louisiana when he when he came out of high school he redshirted this past year and and nate hampton another guy who uh w- was highly touted out of north carolina uh, in, in his uh high school career and and came into Liberty. He's been there for you know his same uh, year as Caden. So he's been in the system for been at school for a couple of years, and obviously been in the system under Coach Chadwell this past year. And Trey Lowe, a guy that transferred from Southern Miss a year ago. So those are all names that that uh, will be in the room. And uh, but I fully expect Liberty to be very aggressive, as I mentioned earlier, in the portal, trying to to get at least one more. Uh, I would expect at least one transfer portal quarterback to come in and I wouldn't be shocked if there were two it might be one of those things where they you know try to just get one to, to get a warm body in here uh and then you know you know quote unquote swing for the fences and the second guy to to get a second one that that can be you know come in and be your day one starter but uh they definitely need to to add one at least uh, through the portal just for competition's sake and if one of those uh, other guys that are already in the room you know emerges this spring and into the summer to take over as a starter, then uh, that's something that uh, Coach Chadwell and Willie Korn as, as quarterback coach and co-offensive coordinator certainly would prefer, but uh, they've got to get as many guys in, in the room to compete for that job as they can uh, this spring and into the summer. John, how equipped is this offense that Jamie Chadwell runs? I mean, let, let's be honest, you have a four-star talent in Caden Salter, as you mentioned. You know, he came in from Tennessee, uh, so he transferred to Liberty and still has four-star capabilities and gifts, and he showed it off for Liberty. But how equipped is this offense at Liberty with Jamie Chadwell to maybe not plug and play anybody, but to be equipped that no matter what roster turnover there is, they can still be able to perform at a high level and give Liberty fans plenty to be excited about? Well, sure. I mean, you know, we saw it, you know, this year, you know, going back a year ago, Liberty didn't know who their starting quarterback was going to be. And obviously ended up being a guy that was already in that room in Salter. And and uh, the entire running back room was made over through the portal uh, last year, led by Quentin Cooley. And, and uh, you know, they've got all those guys as of today, knock on wood, coming back uh, in 2024. And and, uh, you know, the receiver room was a big question mark. C.J. Daniels obviously emerged there this year, and now he's gone into the portal as well, too. But uh, there, there's plenty of other names there at receiver. Uh, I think Liberty certainly uh, – I don't think there's any question that Liberty's in a better spot today than they were a year ago today. Uh, they obviously have, have question marks that they need to figure out what's going to happen at quarterback. They probably need at least one more receiver 
uh, through the portal, and they need some some younger guys there to to step up. And uh, there's a couple of holes on the offensive line to fill as well too. As you, know, you got a couple of guys like Xavier Gadlin, uh, Jonathan Graham that that have moved on uh, as they've exhausted their eligibility. So um, you know you know you got some holes there as well too. But yeah, I mean, Coach Chapwell is not new to this. He's been able to have successful offenses for several years with several different quarterbacks. I mean, go back to obviously Grayson McCall at Coastal and then, you know, this year with uh, Caden Softer. But he even did it before McCall and, and go back to his time at uh, Charleston Southern. Even before that, he, he's uh, always been able to put together a, a successful offense. And, you know, again, we have to remember, and we talked a lot about it during the 2022 season, was this Liberty, uh, you know, strength of schedule. It, it's not, it, It'll be better in 2024. But they still don't have any Power Five opponents on, on the schedule, and uh, Conference USA is still pretty much who it is. I mean, you know, Jacksonville State still got Rich Rod, and you expect them to, to be back and competing uh, at the top of the league, and, and maybe a couple of those other teams like a Western Kentucky. But uh, again, they're they're not in the SEC or anything like that. They should be able to find uh, solutions at some of these positions to at least compete for a conference championship, and then you know we'll see what happens. I'm not going to sit here and predict on. You know, January 4th or whatever it is today, that, that Liberty's going to go undefeated again next year. Nobody can predict that. But uh, they, they should certainly um, at least be competitive on the field and be able to compete for a conference championship again next year. And if they uh, pull the right uh, strings and push the right buttons, uh, they could be back in the CFP or, or in the CFP, I should say, for the first time. Uh, you know, at the end of the 2024 season. John, I'm really disappointed that you have not fully broken down the 2024 schedule. You have not made win-loss projections that can't change, of course, over the next few months because nothing will change at all. And As we've seen with Liberty, I say that completely tongue-in-cheek on this for, for the Flames, of course. Uh, John, a couple more questions for you, and we appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, of course. But one of those questions is the coaching staff for Liberty. They paid Jamie Chabwell, you know, reportedly about four million a year, and obviously they've uh, they're a very well resourced program with staff and all the amenities that they can provide. And relative to the Group of Five program, it's a strong NIL collective as well for Liberty. How much of this is you know to say that when you make that investment for Liberty, while you may not be able to keep guys when you know. plus offers could come. And I'm just kind of throwing general market rates out there for guys that have left Liberty. You know, you're still in a really good spot. And this is why you pay a staff like Jamie Chabwell to be able to navigate these choppy waters. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, true. And you you were talking about it uh, early when I I first joined is is, uh, you put your investment into into the coaching staff. I mean, you know, Coach Chabwell, again, this is not his first rodeo. He was in uh, I'm not going to say a similar situation, but he was in a situation like this a year ago where he was having to, to replace half of his roster, and it's not to that point yet. I mean, I, I was looking today, and and uh, as of you know right now, after the, the C.J. Daniels into the portal uh, news, Liberty, uh, out of their, their primary contributors, 70% of the roster is intact and should be back in 2024. Of course, that can change, and, and there's another portal period in the spring, so you never know what's going to happen, but... That's a lot better than having to replace 50% of your roster like, like he did from 2022 to 2023. So they're certainly in a better situation going into 2024 than they were uh, a year ago. They also have the, the knowledge of you know what works at Liberty and, and being around the system, being around the facilities, the, the administration, and going through the Conference USA one time around. I mean, they, they know – uh, what they're going to be going up against, and, and and of course it's going to be different this year in that regards too. With with you know Liberty's going to 
you know, everybody in the Conference USA is going to have their name circled. Even the non-conference games, you know, they got games against an Appalachian State and East Carolina, uh, two of the four non-conference games. And those those teams are going to be looking at Liberty as a team they want to be, you know, marquee win on their resume, you know, in September. So uh, Liberty's going to be the hunted, you know, something that maybe they weren't certainly in the first half of the 2023 season, but they certainly will be uh, as we kick off 2024. But, uh, you know, I think Coach Chadwell, he's proven he, he can do it. Uh, he's done it at, at every stop he's made and, and for several years at the FBS level, and, and including this past year at Liberty. And and uh, I think uh, Ian McCall can, can sleep well at night knowing that uh, he's got Coach Chadwell, you know, kind of manning the reins for his uh, team through this uh, uh, roughy terrain of, of the transfer portal. It is. Those are things that can give Liberty Flames fans comfort. The insight is always comforting as well. At the com from John Manson. John, thank you for your time today in the Fast Lane. We really appreciate it. And uh, we wish you a chance to recover, at least before Saturday night's men's basketball game at Western Kentucky. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Ed. Hope to see you soon. Indeed. John Manson with us here in the Fast Lane on W226 BG Timberlake, WVGMAM Lynchburg, WMNA Gretna, Danville, Southside. Uh, we'll continue this discussion about uh, the Flames and their direction through the transfer portal tomorrow in the Fast Lane. Plus, we missed the Fast Five at 5 ish in your feedback. That as well tomorrow. So join us 5 to 6 p.m. on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.